Shachtan, an Indo Askelige. Time in Mon Irok the Yen of Chacht Erachor, Agasuligum, a Makan Shaw, Gurfeder Echor, Inuik Kart, Len of Winterfein. Skilti, Fis, Turmi. Tashe Dochretche, Nach Vetok, Ara, Igornamion, and Kestian Echo. Vien Talam again Omgrev, Orkar Nrachtum. Find us on all the usual podcast platforms. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, called but of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. There's always a goal that they ultimately want the U.S. to just be in chaos. Are we vulnerable to the same kind of influence? Absolutely. And anyone who says we're not is not paying attention to the Telegram channels and increasingly Twitter now as well. Just a hive of conspiracy and misinformation. Hello and you're welcome to The Big Tech Show with me, Adrian Weckler. Now, would you know disinformation if you saw or heard it? And might you be seeing it now in the US on topics such as immigration around the Texas border? Or to what extent, if you are seeing this, might any of it be influenced by actors such as Putin's Russia? Well, David Gilbert is a reporter at Wired magazine and, and Wired.com who is covering disinformation and online extremism. And David's Irish and he joins us on the podcast. David, you've spent a bit of time looking at the topic I've just mentioned, disinformation, particularly around this uh, topic of the Texas border and what's happening there around undocumented immigrants. Anyone who's on X will have seen Elon Musk and others tweeting a lot about it. You wrote a really interesting piece in Wired about Russia's involvement in this. What, what sort of things were you seeing? Yeah, it's, I suppose what Russia and disinformation tactics, especially around anything that is politically divisive in the US. And we've seen we've seen already how the Texas border crisis has been jumped on by both sides and the rhetoric around it has become very inflammatory. So I suppose there was almost an inevitability about the fact that Russia would jump on this. And initially what you saw was Russian lawmakers, the former Russian president, Dmitry Medvedev, spokesperson for the foreign ministry tweeting about this in kind of inflammatory manner, talking about how it shows how U.S. hegemony was getting weaker, how bloody civil war was inevitable that was going to cost thousands of lives. And in one kind of ironic tweet, one of the politicians in Russia said that Russia was there to help Texas secede from the union if they wanted us and they would be there for them. So that was the initial round of kind of, I suppose you wouldn't necessarily call that disinformation, but just getting into the mix. And from there, then we saw Telegram channels light up with information about the Texas crisis, all of them kind of talking about civil war, talking about the most extreme 
uh, outcome of what would happen. And then we saw bot networks get involved. Mm. These inauthentic accounts on Facebook and on Twitter that uh, started spreading the same narrative. And then we saw Twitter accounts impersonating uh, Texas accounts or accounts that appeared to be based in Texas. So it's kind of the, a full core press effectively from Russia trying to stoke uh, chaos and incite division in the US. And I mean, as you quoted in your piece, one of the Russian lawmakers, Sergei Miranov, seemed to even offer Texas help, saying, quote, if necessary, we are ready to help with the independence referendum. And of course, we will recognize the People's Republic of Texas if there is one. Um, is that sort of stuff taken seriously, I wonder? It's hard to know, but I think what is important is that Russia clearly wants to be part of this conversation and it sees what's happening in Texas. Like secession in the US has been talked about in different states for decades. And in Texas in particular, it's always been, you know, there's always been talks of a, a so-called Texas and um, them leaving the US. And it's it's just heightened now. And so I think what these tweets are about is is highlighting the fact that Washington no longer seems to have control of its own people and that's you know the governor abbott in defying the supreme court ruling about the texas border is standing up to the biden administration and there's nothing really they can do about it so i think that's what that tweet was about was kind of just basically laughing at the u.s and its inability to control its own people whereas putin of course in russia has has an iron grip over his own people and his own lawmakers and i you mentioned governor abbott there i suppose we should highlight for our listeners that that was in reference to this row that made it to the u.s supreme court over whether u.s border uh, patrol officers could take down razor wire fencing, which had been erected by the Texas National Guard, which is controlled by the Texas governor, Greg Abbott, and the Supreme Court ruled uh, that they could. Um, and and, and I, I suppose that is is stoking some of that, some of it up. But you talked about the the Russian goal of showing that America is in a mess. I wonder, is there any further goal here? Is it just to weaken the institutions in the US? And by doing so, how might that help Russia? Well, I suppose there is, ultimately, there's always a goal that they ultimately want the US to just be in chaos. We saw it back in 2016 with the Internet Research Agency. They weren't necessarily there to support Trump. They were just there to cause chaos. And they did successfully because no one was aware of what they were doing at the time. And it just happened on the platforms without anyone knowing. This is Cambridge Analytica and all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw that it was, you know, one of the, there was a Tennessee GOP Twitter account that became hugely influential and all the mainstream media outlets would would embed those tweets in it saying it was kind of reflective of where the Republican Party was. Of course, it turned out that it was run from St. Petersburg and the Internet Research Agency. And that that kind of showed how they just want to undermine the US and the faith in, I suppose, media and in trust in media. And that has been a huge success of Russia's over the last few years. What ultimately their goal was in getting involved in this argument over the US border it's hard really to say. I don't think they ever expected that they would tip the US over into civil war because that kind of rhetoric was just being used to kind of heighten tensions, but it was never a reality. So I think it's just that they want to be part of the conversation and they're just 
they're everywhere. In the piece, I also mentioned that there's there was a convoy taking place in the US at the time. Now, the convoy was tiny. There was only a couple of dozen vehicles involved. But there was a telegram group with hundreds of people who were cheering them on. But there was also... And sorry, this was a convoy of trucks, I think, that was headed to the Texas border, was it? With Mexico. Yeah. Over the course of three or four days, they traveled from Virginia across the US to Texas to the border where they held a rally. And it was, you know, it was just a mess. There was there was very, very few people involved, but it kind of became this symbol of the far right and how they were standing up to the Biden administration along with Governor Abbott. So Russia got involved in that. They got involved in the Telegram group that was being used by the organizers. They posted stuff that had nothing really to do with Texas, but spoke about Ukraine and Russia. A lot of them got called out and got removed from the group, but some of them continued to stay there and continued to post. And like, if you read through the Telegram messages, all they're doing is angering people. They don't care if they get kicked out as long as they make people fight with each other. And that's, I think, is the ultimate goal of, of all these operations. Dissembling. Now, I guess the way we've been talking about this for the last few minutes is we are assuming that this is disinformation and that there is intent behind it. How do we get at that idea of what is genuine disinformation here and what might simply even if ultra charitably, might be considered to be, you know, political interpretation or political views. I mean, is there any expert analysis, for example, that you might be aware of uh, to indicate that this, in fact, is deliberate disinformation? Yeah, well, I spoke to a couple of researchers about this, about how it was playing out. One of them from uh, Logically, a company that uses AI to try and track disinformation campaigns. They were monitoring Telegram channels and they were able to see how this narrative around civil war kind of exploded overnight on these Telegram channels across all the channels. And some of these channels are huge. They have over a million followers. And there was definitely a coordinated push there from somewhere to say that the US was heading for civil war because of the Texas border crisis. At the same time, on Twitter, another group of researchers found that a bot network, which had previously been used in disinformation campaigns known as Doppelganger, where they shared fake versions of real um, news sites such as Le Monde in France and Fox News in the US. Those Twitter accounts were activated to start talking about the Russian crisis as well. So it's clear that all levers that the Russian government had at its disposal were being used to try and push this narrative, both, as we said, with lawmakers or politicians talking about us kind of in a general way, but also disinformation being spread by these bot networks and by Telegram accounts. Mm. And what are the platforms that we're talking about? Is it Telegram? Is it is it X? They're the ones you've mentioned so far. Yeah, they are. And I spoke to another researcher who tracks the same bot network on Facebook. And she said that she didn't necessarily see much in terms of coordinated activity around the Texas border crisis on Facebook, which is interesting in and of itself. But yes, Twitter, absolutely. That was one of the main ones. And Telegram is a massive one because there's massive Russian language channels there, but also English language channels on Telegram run by Russian accounts. So they're able to reach a lot of people. And as you know, Telegram has very, very lax moderation policies. So there's there's really nothing that they're going to do to stop this. Do we think any of this is working? I mean, you, you referred earlier on about 
disrupting the media and trust in the media as having been a success in recent years. Maybe you might expand on that. But but also, do we think that this disinformation campaign is actually having an effect? Um, it's hard to say. Now, I suppose one of the things is that the Russian tactics have been so successful, were so successful around the 2016 campaign that they have effectively done their own work for them, especially in the US, where the country has become so polarized, especially online. If you look at any interactions on social media these days, it's it's incredibly polarized, incredibly divisive. Can, can I just ask you about that? How should we, and there's probably no correct answer to this, but how should we consider people who find themselves polarized from one another? I mean, I'm a regular user of X, for example, and I see quite a few people from Elon Musk down who now are very, almost radically polarized to others, uh, to, to politicians, political figures who are polarized from each other. How should we consider those? Do we consider them as being victims? Are they mugs? Are they marks? How do the Russians regard them? Well, the R- Russians, I think, regard them as, as easy targets because Everything and anything seems to trigger a massive reaction at the moment. Mm. But I, I, I would absolutely consider them as victims in in all of this. These are the people who have become weaponized by initially Russia to spread chaos and disinformation, but since then have been jumped on by groups in the US, whether that's the Republican Party, people on the left, as you say, Elon Musk running his his platform, who does more than anyone else theoretically, to increase the divide in the US by being so extreme in his opinions and and supporting such extreme causes and welcoming far-right members onto his platform. And it just seems that there is a lot of people who are willing to take advantage of the people who have spent the last four or five years in the US in particular, the kind of upheaval when Trump was made president, followed by the covid pandemic. And now we're leading into potentially another Trump presidency again. We've obviously had the stolen election issue in between then. So all of that has been combined to make these people just completely angry and unwilling to listen to anything else besides Mm. what they've been told repeatedly over and over again by the, the echo chamber that they're sitting in, whether it's the news media that they listen to or the social media accounts that they follow. And so ultimately, they're the victims because they've been led down this path. And it's it's increasingly hard to see how, in the near future at least, that divide that's there right now can be healed. Mm. How was Tucker Carlson's interview with Putin received by Russian influencers? Uh, not very well. There was a lot of mocking of Tucker Carlson. They, a number of memes that they replaced him with this cartoon that was popular in the 1980s called Carlson, uh, spelled with a K. It came from a Swedish book. But they replaced Tucker in the pictures with him. And the character of Carlson in the cartoon is known for lying uh, quite a lot. So, Would they not have regarded it as a, an information propaganda coup, though, for, for their side? They did, but from the reports that have been coming out in recent days, like they initially celebrated the fact that you know, there was so many people watched it and that it was all over their mainstream media and it was being shared everywhere. But in recent days, reports have come out that Putin was unhappy with the interview, that he didn't like Carlson, 
that he thought that he should have been asking better questions. And there's a feeling that there was a missed opportunity because Putin spent the first half hour of the interview talking about Russian history dating back to 1862. And I I think it was 862, wasn't it? I mean, it was, yeah, it was, he bored everybody for for half an, well, he bored half the audience and he propagandized the other half with, uh, with the, the suggestion that, you know, Ukraine has always been an indivisible part of Russia. Exactly. And he, he kind of blamed Poland for... Causing the Second World War. World War, yeah. So, like, it is viewed as a, as a missed opportunity, but at the same time, like, Tucker Carlson was in Dubai yesterday speaking at a, a World Summit where he said that Moscow is one of the greatest cities in the world and way better than any US city, so... I, and I mean, you know, the obvious question there I find myself asking is, you know, why is that? Are, are Americans... I've always found Americans to be very trusting people in the whole. They will take you at face value. But I wonder, is that a real disadvantage here? Are they more prone to being vulnerable, to being gullible? It definitely appears that that's the case. And even over years and years of exposés about what Trump has done, if he goes on stage and says something, they're just going to believe it. And his particular base seems to be more gullible than others for kind of believing this thing. And we saw with the pandemic as well, the explosion in beliefs in conspiracy theories, whether that's QAnon or COVID vaccine conspiracies or the Great Reset. People in the US seem to want a definitive answer, especially when things are messy. Things need to have a hard and fast Conclusion, And we should also acknowledge that there are plenty of conspiracy theorists. I don't know, maybe not plenty, but there's certainly a few in Ireland as well, because you see them. Oh, yeah. You see them popping up. I, I saw quite a few of them when 5G was rolling out. And to be fair, some of them really kind of in good faith believed in their fear. Others were a little bit more cynical. But I'm kind of curious, as a reporter, which which you are, you cover disinformation and online extremism. And you're looking at this, I know, with an eye on the 2024 US presidential elections. But is there anything did you, you think we should be fearful of on this side of the Atlantic, given what we've been discussed? For example, we've got a referendum coming up soon. We may have elections at the end of the year or, or, or next year. Are we sort of vulnerable to the same kind of influence that we're currently seeing in the US? Absolutely. And anyone who says we're not is clearly not paying attention to the Telegram channels and increasingly Twitter now as well, which have become kind of just a hive of conspiracy and misinformation around a number of topics. Like having covered conspiracy theories for years online, when COVID happened, it was very interesting to see how quickly around here in my own community in Cork, how people I knew just quickly embrace these things and would mm. say it to me. And that was kind of a shock because that was the first time I suppose I encountered that kind of stuff in real life, having seen it online for years. I thought maybe that it would dissipate and it has to an extent, but not fully. And those people who believed in the COVID conspiracies have just been rolled into new groups. Mm. And they're talking about immigrants as well. And they're using exactly the same language as conspiracy theorists and extremists in the US are talking about and you're already seeing, I was even looking at this morning, your Telegram channel where one of these groups has laid out a, like a two week propaganda campaign that they're going to take 
across the country ahead of the referendum in March. Mm. So it's it's definitely happening here. It's not at the scale as it is happening in the US. And from a political point of view, so far, we haven't seen the kind of extreme groups make any significant impacts in getting elected to public office where we have in the US. But that's not to say that something isn't going to happen. We saw with the riots in Dublin back in November that this stuff can escalate very, very quickly. And I think that it needs to be tracked very closely. And I think people who are kind of denying that we have that issue here in Ireland are just not aware of what's actually happening. Do you know, speaking of the riots and speaking of Tucker Carlson, I'm still sort of stunned that Tucker Carlson went on on his show on X a few days afterwards and almost opened his show by saying that the Prime Minister of Ireland and the government of Ireland is trying to replace the native population with third world immigrants. And from everything we've talked about in the last 20 minutes, you know, I'm not saying Tucker Carlson is part of an organized disinformation campaign, but that certainly was at least misinformation, if not disinformation. Absolutely. And it was it wasn't just Tucker Carlson. Steve Bannon was it. The mm. cat the account I mentioned, he was it. Mm. Elon Musk was one of the main Oh, he played along with it very nicely. He played along with it very nicely. Yeah. I guess and there's a whole other conversation we could have as to motivations behind this. But when you when you put it like that and you put it in those terms about this idea of population being replaced by third world immigrants, there are other motivations and other impulses, very, very ignoble ones that that immediately come to mind when associating the people who are are spreading those theories. But for other people who are vulnerable to misinformation or disinformation, some of them do seem to just get trapped and some of them are, are just afraid. And there is this feeling, isn't there, that we're being lied to, that there's a golden circle. And even if it's not as extreme as being replaced you know, around COVID, are we being told the truth? Um, we, we saw it with the Dublin riots in terms of the updates and conditions of the victims involved. And even on a very benign level, which I hear all the time, your phone is listening to you and it serves you ads. That is based on the idea and the fear that you know, the powers that be are lying to us, are taking the mick out of us, are manipulating us. Absolutely. And you can completely understand why people are terrified Mm. because they are being bombarded from all sides. Like on one hand, they're being told by these kind of extreme groups that there's hordes of uh, single men who are coming into the country and... and, Of military age. Exactly. Conducting crimes constantly, which is completely untrue, but that's what they're being told. And then on the other hand, there's a housing crisis where people can't get houses in Mm. Ireland. That's feeding into the exact same fear. And then there's, I suppose, traditionally in Ireland, in politics, there's a tradition of, you know, scandals where people are not telling you the truth and people are corrupt and people are taking money when they shouldn't be. And so that historical kind of thing is feeding into it as well, I think. And you can really understand why people would be absolutely terrified at the moment. And because the way that the immigrants are being housed in Ireland, they are not being housed in one space, they're being sent all across the country. 
And therefore, it's very easy for a local community, for a WhatsApp group to start and hundreds of people be in that WhatsApp group. And then suddenly a few people start sharing stories or claims or pictures or something. And people become very, very scared very quickly and then take action like the kind of action we've seen across the country in the last few weeks or few months. David, I'm sure we'll be coming back to this topic pretty soon. But for the moment, David Gilbert, who a reporter at Wired and whose work you can see at Wired.com, he's done an awful lot over the last weeks and months in looking at conspiracy theories and the effects that they're having. Again, on Wired.com, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. And JJ Clark produced this podcast and Murray Bones was an audio I'm Adrian Weckler. You've been listening to The Big Tech Show. We'll talk to you soon. Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. 